Um, I started the business with $600 in a pickup truck, but uh, so, I mean, there is a fairly low barrier to entry and moving, but there's a high barrier to success. And uh, it took me several years before I could achieve that success and be able to scale it like we've been able to do. So that's the reason we have that, that minimum investment is so that people can um, expedite their growth and, and make sure that, you know, they can create that freedom as, as a business owner should have. You know, we don't we don't want our franchisees to have to slave away and work in the business every day. We want them to be able to work on the business. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelak, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Wade. Wade, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I own a company called Two College Brothers Moving and Storage, and uh, we also have a franchising entity that uh, Two College Brothers has uh, started franchising the concept. And uh, I also I have a few other businesses. I'm partnered on a, uh, uh, a retreat company called Moving Titan Retreats, where we bring together moving company owners, as well as a uh, training program called Titan Up Training, uh, which specializes in Uber training. And I am partnered on a wiffle ball uh, league that uh, we host uh, competitive wiffle ball games uh, here in Florida. I also host a podcast called the Grow Your Moving Company Podcast. It's the longest actively running moving industry podcast. So uh, kind of, you know, several businesses all in the same ecosystem, moving in storage. And uh, we've got a location here in Tampa that, that I run as well as uh, the franchising organization. And we just sold our first franchise a few months ago uh, up in Gainesville, Florida. So we're trying yeah. to sell some more franchises. Love it. So let's back up a little bit, bus a little bit. How did you get into moving as your thing in the first place? Yeah. So I started when I was in college. I was looking for work back in 2009, 2010, and started posting a bunch of ads on Craigslist saying that I was a college athlete looking to do pretty much any kind of general labor, uh, mowed some lawns, assisted some other trades like carpet cleaning, handyman work. But I started getting a lot of calls to help people load and unload U-Haul trucks, and people liked the idea of hiring college students to do that for them. And so I kind of plugged away, graduated college, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I did what any college student who was having a little bit too much fun would do and took out some more student loans and went to graduate school and uh, <laughs> decided to pursue a master's degree in entrepreneurship through the business school. And part of that program uh, was to start a business. And I had kind of dabbled in trying to start a few little businesses up until that point. Um, but this was kind of my my opportunity to, to have some mentorship and align it with my studies. And I had all this moving experience. I'd been advertising myself as a mover uh, for a while and had worked for another company for a little bit. So I said, why not try to start a moving business at the age of 21? So I had a lot of classmates that were trying to start the next Uber or Facebook, you know, some some sexy app. And I uh, I decided that I was going to do moving and they thought I was crazy. But I think uh, to this day, I'm the uh, only one still actively running that business that we started back then. And most of them went off and got jobs somewhere. So uh, pretty happy about that. That was over 11 years ago now, and uh, we've just been growing the business ever since. Nice. I love it. So what are some of the things in the industry that are happening that makes you different or things that you don't like that's going on in the industry that you guys don't do? 
Yeah. So, um, you know, moving kind of has a bad reputation. It's, uh, you know, a lot of people have a horror story at some point in their life from a, an unscrupulous mover that they had hired. And I had recognized that when I was starting out that, you know, my parents had moved several times when I was younger and we had some good experiences. We had uh, some bad experiences, but I had realized that like your, your uh, stereotypical mover was this rough around the edges type of blue collar worker. And so I figured there might be an opportunity to put a white collar touch on a blue collar industry. There's not a lot of college educated movers out there. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely use that to my advantage, especially early on. Um, you know, it's kind of an older dogs game. There's a lot of, you know, people that are that are just they've been in the business for for uh decades and generations um and you know it's just what their dad did and what their dad's dad did so you know we kind of took a fresh approach to moving and uh over the years i've i've sought out a lot of mentors that have really successful moving companies uh around the country through the podcasting and through the retreat business that we host and i've kind of learned to reverse engineer uh the business and try to find you know what's working what are the what are the cutting edge things that companies are doing that are allowing them to be successful what are the things that consumers want out of a moving company and it just totally went against the grain of kind of how things have always been done i mean it used to be that you would post an ad in the yellow pages your phone would ring throw some 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 guys out there to to do the job and didn't really matter how good of a job they did because they couldn't leave an online review or anything. Um, and so I think that's where a lot of those bad, those bad stories, reputations came from. And, and, you know, from day one, I was, you know, we had Google and, and on the online reviews and stuff. So we knew we had to provide a great service uh, to, to kind of, hold us accountable and, and any company now today has to do that. And, and there's just a lot of just like weird things when it comes to the language and the contracts and, uh, a lot of the 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 old ways that that things have been done because of just years of lobbying and how things used to have to be done with stacks of paperwork and you know all these different things that aren't relevant anymore but people still do them because that's all they've ever learned from doing them before the modern modern technology has become available so um so you know we've applied a definitely a modern age approach to moving um we have iPads instead of paperwork on every job. You know, we have nice clean trucks. We use uh, software that helps us coordinate the jobs, book the jobs, create a better user experience. And uh, one thing that we do differently is we have a raving fan guarantee, which is essentially a money back guarantee. Uh, virtually nobody else in the industry is doing this um, in the moving business. You know, you hear about that in other industries, but I think we try to do something bold that our competitors would be afraid to do. And we've kind of taken it to the next level. We have a chief of raving fans that uh, handles all of our customer service and follows up on every job, makes sure everything went smooth. If there's ever an issue, she is solely responsible for turning that frown upside down and making the client into a raving fan. And if there's absolutely nothing we can do, then we have that money guarantee, money back guarantee to, to make sure that um, you know, the customer is, is left feeling a good taste in their mouth if uh, if something does mess up along the way. But uh, we use technology for our training platforms. We've got a program that we use called Trainual that we use to um, to monitor the, the training of every employee for every role. And we've got systems and processes and videos and checklists and all kinds of stuff to uh, to enforce that, that a lot of companies aren't doing. Background checker guys, drug test, uh, drug-free company. So, um, you know, just a lot of those things that, that nobody in our business is doing, and uh, we're just trying to try, trying to change the reputation of the industry. Nice. I love it. So when it comes to somebody looking at a franchise to to be able to buy into it, I'm assuming that whole process, that the key components that make it you know predictable and 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 
giving them the assurance that you're going to have raving fans at the end of the day is is the franchise that you're selling yes yeah absolutely yeah that's definitely something that we'll pass on to franchisees uh we've got a lot of systems and processes that we've developed to just try to streamline that onboarding process and just create that consistency that you would expect with a franchise uh, you know brand leverage purchasing power that all comes with franchising you know we've we've aligned ourselves through the the ecosystem that i've kind of built with my other businesses in the moving industry to form really good vendor partnerships and relationships with anywhere from material suppliers to uh uh, to our software company that we use, to different marketing agencies, to where we can basically get somebody who wants to start a business, um, you know, into it for uh, a lot less than what it might cost them to uh, to try to figure it out on their own and go open up these new relationships with all these key vendors and and make all the mistakes that I made in the early days. You know, I made them all so that you don't have to, and uh, we've learned a lot from those, and we've documented processes to prevent those from happening in the future. So, um, yeah, I mean, with a franchise, you know, you go into business for yourself, but you're not by yourself. You get that one-on-one -on -one support from myself and my team, and then all of the technology and all the training and all the processes that we've been able to build, and we have templates for all of our marketing and branding that people can use to uh, to just basically, you know, streamline it and, and get there, get from point A to point B a lot faster than what, um, uh, what, what I was able to do early on, doing it all, figuring it all out on my own and what it, somebody that might try to start a moving company on their own or any business for that matter might be able to do. And then for our franchises, I'm big on guarantees. So we have a, a million dollar guarantee, which basically means if you come in and follow our systems and processes, uh, we guarantee that you'll get to a million dollars in revenue within your first three years, or we'll refund your franchise fee and let you out. So um, that's how confident we are that our process works and our recipe is uh, is viable. So uh, definitely uh, encourage anybody to to talk about that if you're interested in starting a business. Nice. I love it. So would you say that it appeals mostly to people who have moving backgrounds, people who don't have any business background, anybody in between? <laughs> yeah, it could be anybody. You know, what we're looking for is somebody who's hardworking, somebody who wants to become a pillar of their community and offer an essential service to their community. Uh, we, call, we call it our hometown Titan model. We want you to dominate your hometown, your dominate your market in your hometown and, and really do do moving differently than the other companies in your hometown might be doing it. Um, you know, it, we do have a minimum investment requirement. Um, it's $115,000. So somebody would have to have a little bit of savings or access to some capital to, to get started the right way. Um, I started the business with $600 in a pickup truck. But uh, so, I mean, there is a fairly low barrier to entry in moving, but there's a high barrier to success. And uh, it took me several years before I could achieve that success and be able to scale it like we've been able to do. So that's the reason we have that that minimum investment is so that people can um, expedite their growth and, and make sure that, you know, they can create that freedom as, as a business owner should have, you know, we don't, we don't want our franchisees to have to slave away and work in the business every day. We want them to be able to work on the business, to be able to design the life that they want to live where they can go on vacations and go on trips whenever they want to be able to live where they want to have the toys. Um, but at the same time, be, be a go-to person in their community that, uh, that people recognize and uh, basically become a, a big fish in a, in a big or a small pond, depending on how big of a city you live in. Oh, yeah. Speaking of ponds, are there is there an ideal location or, you know, size of city that would be most appropriate for this? Small or large? Any? Yeah, we're, we're really looking to, to grow uh, across the southeast, mostly like 
targeting our marketing in Florida right now so that we can be closer geographically for support, but also so that we just have uh, more moving billboards in the form of trucks driving around uh, the state. You know, people move from city to city. So uh, the, the more the closer in proximity we can scale out the franchising, I think the more beneficial it is to everybody because, you know, we'll see their trucks driving through our city. Our trucks will go into their cities. Um, so, you know, that's kind of why we're kind of focusing our marketing efforts in Florida and the Southeast. We've got a trade show in Atlanta in a few weeks that, uh, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be in Florida. We're registered currently in Florida and in Texas to sell franchises. Not every state requires you get registered, but if we had an interested applicant in another state uh, that was qualified, then we would we would go get registered in that state. Um, and it does, and you know, if somebody in Nebraska or some, somewhere else wanted to open up a franchise, uh, if they were a good candidate and their market looked like it could be, you know, a competitive market for us, um, then by all means, you know, we would, we would definitely talk with them as far as the size of the city. Uh, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter too much. I mean, the bigger the city, the bigger the market, probably the more opportunity for growth, but our two existing locations uh, being in Tampa and Gainesville are very different size markets. Tampa's, you know, 4 million people, Gainesville's 120,000 people, and both have seen a lot of success. So the benefit of a smaller community is that word of mouth just travels so much faster and you can become a big fish in a small pond a lot faster. Um, a bigger market, there's going to be more competition. So there might be a little bit more capital required to kind of break through the noise. But um, yeah, there's, you know, the model has proven to work in, in both types of markets. You know, you wouldn't want to necessarily do it in a small town of 2000 people um, because you are a little bit limited in that situation. But um, but yeah, I mean, any, anywhere, I'd say at least 100,000 people, um, you can be successful in this business. Nice. I was just thinking, unless everybody's moving out of the small town, in which case you want a lot of trucks there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. So when when it comes to kind of the the acumen of the of the business owner do they need to be the rainmaker and do they need to be out you know shaking hands and kissing babies or is the system set up to be able to bring on kind of the the appropriate staff for that yeah absolutely so we've we've got it set up to where you you know we encourage you to hire a leadership team um and it, our our processes are designed for every role in the company from mover all the way up to uh, operations manager, general manager, sales manager, um, marketing, you know, so you could certainly hire people for every single department. Um, but, you know, it always helps to have a business owner in the community making those connections. People like to to do business with and know who the owner of a company is. They don't they, they don't want just a faceless company. So that's part of why we we decided to franchise versus to open a bunch of corporately owned locations like like some other companies in our industry have done. Uh, because I think that it's just really the best way to grow any business is to have the owner present in their home market. Not to say that they couldn't open up locations in different markets, but, um, but it definitely does help, you know, getting involved in uh, all the networking groups, the realtor associations, uh, chambers of commerce, it, it, it'll expedite the growth if you can uh, build the key relationships in your community and, and just keeping your ear to the ground in your own community and looking for opportunities, um, you know, helps to recognize that. Whereas an employee or a manager may not be uh, as, as uh, keen to looking for those opportunities as they come up, they may not be putting in the extra hours, you know, going to the after hours events or joining the country club or, you know, those types of things that can have a positive effect on the business. So that's, that's really kind of what we're looking for, but 
but um, but like I said, they don't have to necessarily work in the business. They don't have to be the ones answering the calls. We have a centralized call center that can help with that uh, for sales, for customer service. Uh, they don't necessarily have to be dispatching the trucks. They definitely don't have to go out on the moves. You know, we want them to be able to build a team to uh, to run the day-to-day operations so that they can do the things that they truly enjoy and you know still spend a little bit of time around the business, but uh, but but be able to design the schedule how they want to. Well, I have noticed a huge trend lately in kind of the CEOs of companies having a public persona. Um, clearly, we see this with Elon Musk and Amazon. Like all of them, I have a very public um, face forward where they didn't used to before. And I've noticed too that for people that are either a little, what I'm going to call a little more senior, like 45 and over, and people who are from other countries just aren't familiar with the social dynamics in the states. Is there kind of processes that you have in place to be able to help people to train them on how they become kind of social magnets? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a nice. big a big thing you can do today is with social media, creating uh, reels and YouTube shorts, um, you know, kind of building that personal brand. And uh, we're trying to, to lead the way and set the example, you know, myself included, you know, coming on podcasts like this, but our, uh, uh, our other franchisee, our other employees, we encourage them to get their, their social media profiles verified to post content uh, as much as possible. We have a, a master account for the company that posts a lot of content too, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, building your personal brand can only open up opportunities um, it helps establish trust in your community when uh, you put yourself out there, uh, you know, for both your 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 potential clients, but also for people that may want to come and work for you. You know, they're going to do their homework. They're going to go online and, and look look you up and what you're all about. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. We want to uh, instill that that personal branding. And uh, we've got some some tools and techniques that we can help with uh, with getting them you know, started with that sort of a thing. And if that's not your thing, if you like to operate a little bit more behind the scenes, then we have processes for hiring a, a brand ambassador, a marketing director for your market. And, uh, you know, they, they can basically do all those same things too. Very cool. I like that. So is there any other little tools and tricks that you have that are, <laughs> I should be asking you about, but I don't know about to ask you about? <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, I, it's, it's all pretty detailed in our, in our systems and processes that we've both learned just from, from doing it, but also from, from doing the podcast, from seeking out mentors, from getting around masterminds with other successful moving company owners and business owners in general. Um, you know, that's what I always tell people if they're starting out in any business is to seek out mentorship, find somebody who's done what you're trying to do, who's been successful in your industry. And, you know, you might have to pay them for their time in the beginning or do something for them to, to show them that you're the real deal uh, for them to give you their time. But, uh, but that's, that's really, I mean, in my opinion, if I, if I could tell myself something, you know, when I was first starting out, what I know now is just don't, don't wait around and, and make all those mistakes, you know, firsthand, talk to people who have been there and try to seek out that mentorship and, and get around people that, that are doing big things, you know, that are thinking big, you are the five people that you hang around with the most and your network is your net worth. So if you can, uh, if you can do those things and just get around high performing people, then you'll be a high performer yourself. I love it. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start that journey with you? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram, message me. It's just at my name, at Wade Swikel. 
Uh, they can always check out our website, twocollegebrothers.com. They can reach out through any of the social media channels that we have with Two College Brothers. Um, but I'm pretty active on Instagram. So I'd say just uh, just find me there and give me a follow and shoot me a message if you want to connect and talk more. Nice. Love it. And we will, of course, have all of Wade's links in the show notes. So go ahead and scroll down, uh, click on the links, open them up in a new browser, though, because we're not done yet. <laughs> so I <laughs> good to ask you. You told me a little bit of the story of the college and setting up the your business, but at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> That's a great question. I think probably when I was asking my mom if my friends could come over and and we could do a car wash and my mom would tell me uh you, you, you know thomas isn't going to want to come over and wash cars with you wade nobody wants to come come over to play and, and work and i was like <laughs> why that sounds so much fun to me <laughs> uh you know just little stuff like that I, I remember you know being as little as six and doing the lemonade stands and trying to think what else could i sell besides lemonade and going and rating my mom's kitchen pantry and looking for other things we could diversify our, our revenue streams on the on the corner in our neighborhood with uh even in high school selling uh candy bars you know you, there'd be all these kids selling candy for fundraisers and so i'd go to walmart and buy a box of candy for five dollars and that would have you know 30 pieces of candy in it and sell those for a dollar until some teachers shut me down because i was basically competing with the kids that were trying to raise money for school programs um and you know just difference stuff between like profit that. and non-profit uh, what, what can i tell you <laughs> get used yeah, to it. <laughs> yeah exactly they should have they should have encouraged that that kind of behavior right. but um yeah no i mean just you know even even in high school i would go around and look on the free section on craigslist and if there was anything that seemed to be in good condition i'd go pick it up and then turn it back around and sell it on Craigslist. So I don't know. I mean, I think there's, there's definitely some, some, yeah, some uh, uh, hints at future entrepreneurship uh, from an early age there that a lot of people probably display. And I think a lot of people really want to own a business, but you just got to have thick skin. You got to have a high risk tolerance if you really want to get into business of any sort, um, because, you know, there's ups and downs and uh, sometimes, you know, you, 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 you struggle in the early days, especially, and sometimes there's curveballs and you just have to be willing to take extreme ownership every, you know, at every corner and look yourself in the mirror because when you're the owner, you know, everything falls on you and you're, you can't point the finger at your boss. You can't point your finger at your coworkers or the people that work with you because uh, you hired them. So uh, you just have to take responsibility and, uh, and carry that weight a little bit. So, you know, it can be stressful and it's not for everybody. Some people like safety and security and that's fine. Um, but for people that, that really want to kind of have control of their own destiny, then an entrepreneurship uh, business ownership is, is a great path to follow. Absolutely. I concur completely. So <laughs> you've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? I don't think so. You know, uh, try to try to learn as much as you can about from from people who have been successful in whatever industry you want to start. And if you're not sure where you want to start, just go work for somebody for free for a little bit or take a minimum wage job as a side hustle and just kind of, you know, if you want to own a coffee shop, go work at a coffee shop for a little bit. See if see if that's something you want to do. Um that's really the only only way you can really know. And I mean, I didn't grow up wanting to be a mover, but I, I got that experience. And, uh, you know, it's just at this point, uh, a, a medium to grow a business. You know, it's not that I necessarily love moving, although I didn't mind it when I was working on the trucks more, but um, it, uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. You know, building a business is fun. You have total creative liberties and control to 
do it how you want to do it. I mean, there's there's ways that work and there's ways that don't. And that's why I recommend seeking advice from from mentors and people that have succeeded in whatever industry you choose. But um, but you know, gotta try, gotta try things. And if uh, if you're currently working a job and you want to try a side hustle, you know, come come work for a moving company for a little bit. Take calls on the nights and weekends. Movers always need uh, after hours salespeople, and you kind of learn the business that way. And um, you know, sky's the limit once you get going. I love it. Well, and you do bring up a great point of business culture because I think there's definitely, regardless of the franchise that somebody buys, there are very different cultural aspects to the job and how people respond to them. Um, because I mean, it's to me having a mover come in to my house, take over everything and make it gone and make it clean. Like, I love you. You people are fabulous. <laughs> so I think it's a completely different kind of appeal uh, from a client perspective and the feedback that you just get on a daily basis of how much people like their jobs and, you know, guys going out and do their moving. I say guys could be anybody, but, um, you know, the proverbial guys that it's, you get that physical, I've achieved something, something has become clean, something has become full and, uh, and we get to move on with the day. So I, um, maybe we should talk about, uh, the emotional satisfaction of it, but I will save that for people who are, when they go and talk to you, they'll ask you about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's extremely rewarding. Uh, you know, like I, I touched on, you're ultimately responsible for every aspect of it, from who you hire to how the service is done and the culture that you create in your company. But um, but once it starts clicking and you get some momentum, it's it's a ton of fun. And uh, if you can avoid a lot of the mistakes early on by by learning from others, then uh, then it's even more fun. You know, you, you take a shortcut to that to that journey. So, yeah, I mean, it's um, uh, it, it is very rewarding at the end of the day. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. You've been amazing. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures, but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.